0: welcome to the hidden gems podcast on rachel's reviews this is the show where each week we try to get you to dive deeper into your favorite streaming service and we give our picks of what we think of as hidden gems on this on particular service this week we are talking about canopy service which is really fun because it is free my favorite price and with your library card and i'm film critic rachel wagner and ryan is here
1: Hey Rachel, so great to be back with you yet again. It's my favorite day of the week, uh, recording this podcast with you. We normally record it on either a Monday or a Tuesday. So it's like, I'm starting to learn to love Mondays in a weird (laughs) roundabout sort of way. Like I'm slowly evolving from my Garfield hatred of Mondays. And now I'm actually like mildly ambivalent towards them because I know at the end of each Monday I'll be like, oh, I got to record with Rachel tonight. It could be worse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, good. I I agree. I look forward to it every week as well. It's really a lot of fun. And uh, we look forward to hearing from our listeners what they've been enjoying on the streaming services. And in particular, this week, the reason why I wanted to pick Canopy was because I'm starting my foreign movie uh, month over on my family movie night, uh, which we've done every, I've done for the last four years, foreign language movie month. And this is, as the name would suggest, it's a month where we talk about all non-English uh, films for families and I really enjoy doing it it's a lot of fun and this uh, week I'm talking about The Red Balloon my review for that went up and that is available on Canopy to watch if you want it's such a sweet little uh, film and it actually is one of the only shorts if not I think the only short to win best original screenplay uh, at the Oscars and that's kind of amazing because it has almost no dialogue. (laughs) How did it win best screenplay? I don't quite know but hey it's charming so there you go.
1: Yeah and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to watching those videos because out of all like my filmography like knowledge if you want to call it that like foreign movies are just kind of like a weak spot for me not out of any just pure ignorance it's just either lack of availability or just just other outside Mm -hmm. factors so I really I really got to get back on it and I've actually got some things cooking up over on my channel that may include some foreign films but Mm -hmm. let I'll have to to I'll just have to develop it a little more and then unveil it to the masses don't want to pull a uh, don't want to pull a fire fest or anything
0: well, and I think especially we don't tend to think of foreign language films for uh, family films, because a lot of times the kids aren't old enough to read the subtitles, but, but once they are, I think it's really important to introduce Children to subtitle films and get them aware of it because it just open up a whole a whole new world of animation and family films that are so quality, so great, and uh, so I, that's part of the reason why I like to do this every year. is uh, It just kind of encourages me to dig a little bit deeper, and uh, I just really enjoy getting to do it. So I'll put a link in the description to the playlist. Uh, for those films and they just have a lot of foreign films international films as they like to say these days uh, on canopy so if you uh, want to check those out you definitely should and so i'm going to talk about a couple couple of international films on my list today of hidden gems and uh, yeah you can find some really good ones over on canopy so that's exciting
1: yeah and uh and And I think I've spoken on the greatness of canopy enough, but let's just reiterate like canopy is subtly one of the best streaming services out there. They've got not only just foreign films, like you mentioned, Rachel, but they've got a lot of the, they've got a lot of early movies, like from the 1900s and the 1910s all the way up to the twenties. They've got some movies on there. Like you wouldn't expect. Like I was looking through it to prepare for this list. And I saw the movie on Golden Pond there, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Wait, on Golden Pond, really?" And then, and and so it's it's one of the it's literally like finding hidden gems, for lack of a better word. It's like you scroll through, and you're like, "Wait, that's on there?" And so it's it it's it's a grab bag.
0: Yeah, they do have quite a bit of variety and a lot of independent films and uh, a lot of. Uh, of criterion type of films so it's and it's you get 10 rentals each month which is a lot and it's free so you you can't complain it's free 99 my favorite price so we are, <laughs> i have we've done what is this our our third episode of canopy I uh
1: this is the first episode was where i picked five and you watched five And then our second episode was a regular episode, so this would be our third.
0: That's right, so our third episode. So you wanna check out those other episodes and that was a lot of fun. And so let's just dive in and get started. So I'll go first. My first pick is a film that I saw at Sundance in 2019 and this is called The Price of Everything and this is a documentary that is all about how they determine the price of artwork (laughs) and how these particularly how some of these pieces of art uh, balloon in price to these millions and millions and millions of dollars and some of it you're looking at like what on earth that's like a a hitler statue why what is going on or that's uh you know just some of these weird modern <laughs> art where you're like that's trash that's not art uh and yet it's going for millions of dollars and uh so they're kind of diving into that and it's just very interesting not only uh if you're interested in art and the art world but it's also just got some pretty eccentric characters both artists and collectors and uh yeah it's uh, I, I feel like the movie could have challenged its interviewees a little bit more about all the all that they could do with all of this money that they're putting into this you know spending 30 million dollars on a little hitler doll it just seems crazy to me um and i felt like maybe sometime the director could have challenged them just a little bit more but nevertheless it's still interesting and Uh, especially when you look at it from the artist side of it too is interesting so uh, i recommend it i think people if you have any interest in art or collecting or just in uh in people and money and all these different things then i think you'd find it interesting
1: so wait just a brief bit of context someone paid thirty dollars for a hitler doll
0: I can't remember if it was 30 million dollars but it was millions and millions of dollars for this hitler statue that was like this little hitler yeah i didn't get it and it was a jewish man that bought it too so that's the kind of thing they dive into (laughs) yeah in the documentary they were like what it's some famous uh supposedly some commentary on i don't know (laughs)
1: Better commentary oh huh?
0: yeah and uh i forget who the i couldn't tell you who the artist is but um uh but yeah they have these collectors on and anyway i i recommend it i think it's a interesting film that can be sometimes frustrating but i feel like a good documentary should be sometimes frustrating at times uh because you don't want one that's too slick there's this whole, there's this whole artist who all they do is make these, these globes and they look like lawn ornaments. Like you'd see uh, on my mission in Indiana, the Hoosiers would have these, these we called them the Hoosier balls. And they were like these, these uh, <laughs> balls uh, and uh, outside. And it, just because they're from some famous uh, artist, they're selling them for millions of dollars. And I'm like, you could get that at home Depot for like 10 bucks, <laughs> but. Yeah. I, uh, I remember
1: sure. I remember reading this one story in the news. Uh, there was a gentleman who was in like 2017 who like walked into an art gallery, took off his glasses, set them in like one of the glass cases, and then walked away. He returned like about a half an hour later, people were staring at it. They're like, the glasses are in the glass box. What does that mean? And then just to troll them, he casually just walked up to the case Opened it, grabbed the glasses, and walked away. Legend. Legend, legend.
0: <laughs> now they're just gonna sell the glasses box because what does it mean? What does it all mean?
1: Ask me I don't what know. it means. Ask me what it means. <laughs> uh so what's your first pick? So my first pick, and this is gonna be a bit of uh this is gonna be walking on the razor's edge in terms of a hidden gem because it received critical acclaim, financial acclaim. Uh, it won Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. But I think that, I think I wanted to talk about this movie because I think it's a good primer for one of the studios that's very prevalent on, on Canopy. Uh, it's A24, and the movie I'm going to be talking about is The Disaster Artist. Uh, this, was, uh, this was written and directed by the Franco brothers of James and Dave, uh, and it is based on the true story of the making of the worst movie ever made, The Room. Uh, for, for those of you who have no idea what The Room is, The Room is essentially the brainchild of a guy named Tommy Wiseau. Nobody knows where he comes from, but all, all we know about him is that he made The Room, which is this unintentionally hilarious, amazing movie that is so bad that it's weirdly amazingly watchable. I know from personal experience, the room came to my local theater. I saw it. It's one of my favorite theater experiences ever. It's so bad, but I was just, I was laughing my head off at everything. Did you see it
0: with the riff tracks or no. just by itself?
1: It was just, uh, the audience was the riff tracks. Like like they were throwing spoons at the screen and they were, uh, they were going, oh, hi, Mark. And it was just, <laughs> it was like a, it was like a mystery science theater 3000 but instead of two robots next to me it's like 30 people behind me but- i
0: saw it with the rift tracks and they were absolutely hilarious and to me the the room to me has only so much so bad it's good potential there are certain parts where it's just I don't know the 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 long sections of eroticism are just too much for me (laughs) but if it's with the roof tracks then it's hilarious (laughs) but but, yeah I mean the disaster artist was very sweet and a very homage a nice homage to the to Tom Musso and the room and everything and and the 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 power of creating something that yes, you might not uh, appreciate what he created, but he created something. And I think it's very similar to Ed Wood, uh, which is, I think, to Burton's best film, in my opinion. Uh, but it's the same kind of energy.
1: Yeah, because Ed Wood was seen for a while as one of the worst directors ever, but yet all the movies he made came out of his brain. You know, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Glimmer Glenda, etc. Yeah. But in terms of the disaster artist. I absolutely agree with you, Rachel, in that it takes it takes the story of the making of the room and views it through the lens of this guy was said no, was told no so many times that he just decided he he became Thanos. He was like, fine, I'll do it myself. And so he and he and his group of friends got together and made a movie, a very bad movie, but it's better, it's more of an attempt than like 90% of all of us out there. So I guess we shouldn't really cast too much aspersions when we probably wouldn't do the same thing given the amount of budget or the amount of resources. And uh, James Franco should have gotten the Oscar that year because he was phenomenal. I'm very hot or cold on James Franco. I liked him in the Spider-Man movies. I know not a lot of people do, but I, a lot of people do not, but I did. But I do know that he has a lot of very annoying roles, like in This is the End and Pineapple Express and et cetera. But in, but in the Disaster Artist, you don't see James Franco. You see Tommy Wiseau and hearing him talk about how he prepared for the role, listening to tapes of Tommy just talking, like in, like over and over again, I was just sitting there like, that could drive somebody mad doing that. But <laughs> Franco came out on the other side, He should have won the Oscar that year, but didn't. And reason number 3,750,000, why I don't believe in the Oscars, but side road. Uh, <laughs> Dave Franco is also excellent as Greg Sestero. And the relationship between these two is like, like Sestero's like, okay, this guy's weird, but he's got ambition and we are on the same like plane. So I'm going to I'm going to trust him. And he places his trust in him one times too many and it's heartbreaking because even though you and I both know the results of what's going to happen and that the room becomes one of the worst movies ever made, you still want it to succeed nonetheless. I think that was mm-hmm. the mission of the mm-hmm. movie and it succeeded like every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And why I recommend why I recommend this movie is because I think it's a great primer to get into A24. If you see A24 as like for something like the lighthouse or Hereditary or Midsommar, and you're like, I'm not sure that's my speed, then I think the disaster artist is definitely a great entry point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a really good film. I definitely recommend it very much. Uh, So then the next one for me is a film that we just covered on the Criterion Project, my podcast with Conrado that I do once a month. Uh, We talked about Bong Joon-ho's film, The Host. And this, if you enjoyed his film Parasite, as most of us did uh, from this last, from 2019, uh, well, then you would probably enjoy The Host. This is obviously more of a traditional horror movie with this creature that is spawned out of the river when the river gets polluted. And uh, it's really fun and entertaining and i mean just compared to the monster movies that hollywood is making and this is just so much better it's so much more entertaining you can actually see the creature which the last godzilla movie there was so much obfuscating the creature i couldn't even see them it was very bad and this is this has a sense of humor to it but it also has the tension and uh, it's just really a fun monster movie if you like monster movies then it has a message but it's not too heavy-handed uh he's a great director and uh this is a really fun movie so I, I, if you want to hear more of my thoughts go over and i'll put a link uh, to our criterion project uh, discussion about it it was really fun
1: yeah now that parasite has become like everybody's favorite movie or at least letterboxd's favorite movie <laughs> of all yeah. time I'm interested to see what Bong Jun ho does next because he's won, he's won the Oscar. Like he's got critical acclaim. Like everybody is like, like worshiping at his altar. Like (laughs) what does he do now? It's, it's, I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it because he like, he's got serious momentum, like Steven Soderbergh type momentum, like in 2000 when he won, when he was nominated for both traffic and Aaron Brockovich and he still won, which I mean, like, it's just, Bong Joon-ho has got a lot of momentum so mm-hmm. whether he does yeah, something- he
0: one best director and and uh best pitcher so it's pretty exciting and I thought he deserved it I loved Parasite I thought it was incredible and so for I uh, I feel like we we squeezed out all the goodwill of 2020 with the Oscar win and then after, right after that it was like bah! everything
1: yeah destroyed all the happiness of 2020 be <laughs> an eyedropper.
0: So, what's your next pick?
1: So, my next pick is from 2014, and it is called Beyond the Lights. Uh, this was directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. I hope I'm saying that right. She would direct. She directed a movie called Love and Basketball in 2000. It was pretty well liked by everybody. Uh, it tells the story of a pop star who is really, really big. Like she's She's like got j levels of popularity, but she meets a police officer from LA and the two form a relationship, but she has got her own career path and he's got his. And so the two try to make it work, but they're all on under the constant watch of the girl's mom who's played by Minnie Driver. Uh, When I saw this movie, I was fully expecting not to like it because I went to see it with my mom and I love going to the movies with my mom, but she picks, she picks the movies where I'm like, okay, well, at least, you know, the two of us will be together. You know, I wasn't, I couldn't exactly be asked for Beyond the Lights, but when I walked out of there, I was like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Uh, The main lead is, I'm going to try and say this name right, Gugu Mbata Raw, close enough, right? Let me see.
0: Yeah, I think that's Guga Ray, Raw or Ray, or I'm not sure actually how you pronounce her name. Sorry. But she is very good in this. I agree. I think that her and Nate Parker have really good chemistry. It's very smoldering. And right. <laughs> I, it's a kind of movie that could be super cringeworthy if it was on like the Lifetime Channel or something like that. Right. Uh, <laughs> but because they have a pretty decent script with decent characters it elevates it above sort of this rescue me kind of, kind of <laughs> thing
1: <laughs> yeah because because so. uh, they do a great job in the script of establishing that mini driver uh, gugu Ra's mom in the movie is not a bad person she she and her daughter grew up in a very rough part of London and she just decided she pulled a net B from network I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore and so she pushed her daughter to the point where she's now she's now a superstar and she's not going to let that go the script does a great job of not presenting her as like a momzilla or something like that she's actually pretty reasonable mm-hmm. and any driver is actually pretty pretty dang good in this movie and when i was thinking about it i was like why isn't she in more movies because i remember her being in gross point blank which is very underrated uh, Goodwill Goodwill Hunting which is one of my all-time favorites and then in like the 2010s she just kind of disappeared and I and that makes me sad because I think she's she's really good
0: yeah I agree I even enjoy her in Tarzan as the voice of Jane
1: <laughs> voice of Jane in Tarzan Definitely. I completely yeah. forgot about that
0: yeah so it's a good, if, if you read it, you think, oh, that sounds too, too sticky sweet. It's actually really not. It's it's good. People should try it. So my next pick is A Cat in Paris. This was a, an Oscar nominated film. I think it's 2011. And in that year, they had a really unusual year of nominees uh, and they had a it had two foreign films nominated for best animated feature, which was exciting. Chico and Rita and Cat in Paris, and both of them are are good films i'm not a huge chico and rita fan uh but i but i i love a cat in paris i really do i think it's so good i it's the year that rango won which i'm not a big fan of (laughs) um so i wish that a cat in paris had won i think it's the better film uh but basically the i I love the animation it's very geometric and it has like a picasso kind of look to it which i love uh so there's that uh plus the story uh, basically about this uh girl who uh, has this cat and she ends up kind of stumbling upon this cat burglar who has a connection uh with the uh the the mob that and then the mob is the is the one who kind of coordinated the death of her father who was a a, a uh, police officer and her mother is also police officer she has a super big grudge on this mafia um guy and and so it's all about how this girl and her mother and the cat and everybody uh kind of work to take down this mafia guy and it can get kind of scary and um her mom isn't necessarily super likable all the time she's a pretty flawed character which I actually really appreciate because single moms can be kind of presented as these perfect archetypes who you know are 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 never never feel any kind of weakness and uh, so I appreciated that she was a more human character in here and it's just so beautiful I love the music I love the animation Uh, so people should check it out it's really good
1: yeah I was looking through uh I was looking through still images from this movie on IMDB and I'm like wow if this doesn't scream rachel wagner then i don't know what does like this is definitely a movie that would be like tailor-made for you and it, and it looks very interesting to me i do love rango i'm not gonna lie i think uh when i i don't know how far back you remember this rachel but when we did our year in animation preview which aged like just the finest <laughs> of all of them, i remember yeah. oh wait actually it was our favorite move animated movies of the decade
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: with cartoon karma and jaden Sapp. that was and fun. and uh and i said rango i i i had no idea that that came out this i was in the same oscar class as a cat in paris so mm-hmm. i love rango but now i want to watch cat in paris just to like see which one's really better
0: Yeah. That'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. I, uh, I just Ringo never resonated with me and I don't know if it's just because I have not seen a lot of Westerns. And so a lot of the things that sort of paying homage to, I don't really get. Um, But I don't know, to me, like the first 30 minutes are kind of just him ambling about. And I don't really, I don't know, it just doesn't work for me. And then once they finally get on the search for the water, then it Okay, the story's starting, and I, I, I like it better, but it's just never been my favorite. But I understand that a lot of people love it, but I prefer Cat in Paris. And I also love Kung Fu Panda 2, which was also nominated that year. Uh so it was, a, it was an interesting puss in boots. I also really like so it was an interesting year for and, the Oscars.
1: And the 2012 Animation Oscars was a hell of a class. Kung Fu mm-hmm. Panda 2, Rango, Cat in Paris. Kung Fu Panda 2 is just, is just incredible. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I love it. So what's your next pick?
1: So my next pick is from 2018 and it is called Unsane. Uh, I brought up Steven Soderbergh earlier Mm -hmm. and not knowing that I was, that it was kind of an accidental perfect parlay into talking about Unsane. Uh, Unsane tells the story of a young woman who believes she is being stalked. And in her desperation to try and get anywhere else but out of the presence of this potential stalker, she gets involuntarily checked into a mental hospital. And the movie does an excellent job of building tension and presenting the question of, is she really insane or is she telling the truth? Uh, Steven Soderbergh shot the entire movie on this, the iPhone, uh, I. This is the iPhone 11, but he shot it on the iPhone 10. And when I first heard about that, I'm like, gimmick city, here we come. But no, he actually actually made it work and he utilizes the space in the background really well. He focuses all of his shots like primarily on the actors themselves. So you're always looking that way, expecting something to come, but when it doesn't, you're just like, all right, something's coming. You're perpetually on pins and needles throughout the 90 minute runtime. Claire Foy is excellent in this movie. Uh, The same year as this movie, she starred in First Man as uh, Neil Armstrong's wife, should have won the Oscar for that, but didn't. Reason number 3,750,000 that I don't trust the Oscars, but again, side road. But she is on screen for 99% of the time and she is excellent. I will give a brief bit of warning. This is not a traditional horror movie. She's not being chased by ghosts or zombies or someone's going to yell out and say, boo, this is very much a slow burn type of movie, even though it is 90 minutes. But if you like the Hitchcockian style thrillers, this is very much in the same vein as that. So definitely check it out.
0: Cool. yeah, I have not seen that one. And it was interesting when I heard that it was filmed on an, on, uh, an iPhone but it just shows all that really matters is a story more than anything else everything else can be in you know, whatever you whatever you do uh, so that's interesting well my next pick is a movie called little secrets and this has all the trappings of like a disney channel original movie but i think that that it's elevated into a feature film in the really solid script and uh, it's about it starts Evan Rachel Wood, and she plays this young lady who starts up this uh, secret keeping booth in her uh, neighborhood. So she will keep your secrets for you. And she thinks that she has a special gift for keeping secrets, but kind of the more secrets that she hears and the more secrets that she has, the more sort of complicated her life gets. And uh, just sort of the burden of keeping everyone's secrets becomes too much for her. And obviously this is for children. So we're not like talking like, you know, super secrets or something like that. Nobody's cheating on anybody or anything like that, but nevertheless, she, she has uh, she has this dream of becoming this uh, concert violinist, and does she have the um, sort of courage to go for it and go for her dreams? And some things, different things happen in the plot. She also has this little romance uh, with uh, David Gallagher, who was on Seventh Heaven, uh, and it's cute. And Vivica Fox plays her violin teacher and she has actually some really nice moments as the teacher and and uh, so it's just a sweet I think underrated little family film uh, that you could watch and have a nice lesson about keeping secrets and being honest and and uh, all those kinds of things so I, I really enjoy it I think it's cute
1: yeah, this was the same person who directed a Disney Channel movie called Phantom of the Megaplex. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you have ever seen that. But I, I have. Was, uh,
0: I, re- I reviewed it last year, 2019, for Disney Scares Month, actually.
1: But I was looking through, the, through this on IMDb. I'm like, Blair Tro, where have I heard this name? <laughs> and it was like Phantom of the Megaplex. I'm like, oh, that movie's really good. So I'll have to see about Little Secrets. And when you mentioned David Gallagher, he was actually in a movie that i've recommended on this podcast a uh, super eight from the hoopla episode
0: oh. he was
1: uh he was the older sister's boyfriend that his truck got stolen by the kids
0: <laughs> oh cool it also has um, michael angarano who was in sky high which is classic
1: yeah sky high is criminally underrated nobody talks about it like whoever <laughs> whoever cast bruce campbell as a gym teacher needs a raise like
0: yeah <laughs> great over.
1: You're going to make that shot and you're going to like it. And it'll be groovy.
0: (laughs) This movie, Little Secrets, is perfect for watching on a Sunday when you just want a nice, gentle movie that uh, everybody will enjoy. It's sweet and has a nice message. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's kind of fun when you think about the psychiatry booth in Peanuts. Here she has this kind of similar secret keeping booth. So that is, what is your next pick?
1: So my next pick and talk about a hard left, we're going from a bit of a young adult, like comedy drama from the early 2000s, directly into a hard sci-fi from the 1920s. It's uh, Metropolis from director Fritz Lang. Uh, Before I go any further, I should say, this is a two and a half hour black and white silent movie. I think I've turned some of you off already. But for those of you that, that have stayed, hear me out. Yeah, Metropolis is one of those movies that is like the Rosetta Stone for hard sci-fi movies. For, that, through, for the entire movie, you will watch and be like, oh, I know that. And then you'll trace it back to Metropolis because Metropolis is one of those movies that inspired like directors and actors for years to come. George Lucas saw this and created Star Wars. We all know what that is. Uh, Ridley Scott saw it and created Blade Runner from it. Like look at the city in Metropolis and look at Los Angeles 2019 from Blade Runner. They're very eerily similar. But this movie is not just it's not just a technical marvel. It's got a great story to it as well. The basic story is that the peasants live beneath in the dirty parts of the city while the elites live in the high parts of the city where the technology is far more advanced than they could have ever imagined. And basically the whole message of the movie is that the poor people are the hands, but the elite are the brain and they need a mediator. And that mediator is the heart. The city has become so big that everyone has become just separated from each other. And it's just destined, it's destined for failure. It's an oddly relevant message considering our modern times, but again, side road. Uh, again, this is kind of a difficult one to get into because two and a half hours, black and white, and silent. I get it. If if any of you watch this and be like, "Ryan lied to us, and this is really bad," that's fine. I totally get it. But if you want to take a look at one of the origin movies of like 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 Episode Zero for the sci-fi movie canon as we know it today, go to Metropolis.
0: Uh, yeah, I actually have not. This is a blind spot in my viewing. I have not seen it, so but I've heard that it's really great. So I'll have to uh, I'll have to take care of that sometime. I have to check it off my my list. So very good pick. All right. Well, my last choice is a movie called Faces Places, and this movie should have won the documentary best best documentary award at the oscars but that that branch in particular (laughs) is is a very dubious (laughs) Uh, the documentary branch almost never gets it right and uh, they ended up giving it this year that year to some olympics drug movie i'm like come on whatever Um,
1: you don't say
0: (laughs) and uh, and this is so great faces places it is about agnes varda directed by agnes varda and agnes varda is a legendary filmmaker who's made tons of incredible films and some of them documentaries some of them fiction films and in this movie she teams up with this uh this photographer this artist named JR and they they build this giant printer car thing i don't know how to explain it but like they can print out these sheets for these giant murals that'll cover up the whole of a building and so they 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 meet with the people and they find like the perfect mural to go on that on a particular wall or a particular building and it's so charming and a lot of times this kind of uh, installation art can be really obnoxious and really annoying uh because usually it's I don't know kind of vulgar and just not not fun to me and this is they're so fun and Agnes is just such a delightful human being <laughs> You can't, and they're such like an odd pair because you have this young artist, you have this older Agnes Varda, and it kind of looking back into her life and her career, and uh, and then also interacting with some of the people, and and some of them, uh, have, some of people are actually quite moved by the eventual art, and there's one woman in particular that, you know, kind of has all these insecurities, and then seeing her up on this mural. It, uh, it, it looking so beautiful and it, it moves her and and just all of that it's so good i absolutely love it it's it's so charming
1: yeah i have never heard of this one uh, i i there's some times where i'm thinking like the oscars has a best documentary category i had no idea
0: it makes yeah it every year i feel angry <laughs> they almost never get it right. around
1: <laughs> it's just like ah. attention to the Oscars get angry you don't say. <laughs>
0: uh but uh, but yeah i i it's it i mean every movie has people who don't like it i get that but i don't get it with this movie i just can't imagine not liking it it's so charming it's so positive and and sweet and <laughs> just like if you hate laughter and happiness then you won't like this movie but for the most part all of us will really enjoy it because it's so
1: sweet yeah, I'll definitely have to take a look at it now that yeah. you've brought it to my attention.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, what's your last pick?
1: So my last pick is from 1942, uh, and it is called The Pride of the Yankees. Uh, this is the biography of, in my opinion, one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived, Lou Gehrig. Uh, for all of you at home, we, uh, you probably think Lou Gehrig, like the disease, Yes. Well, unfortunately, ALS was uh, is commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And unfortunately, Lou Gehrig died because of what we now know today as ALS. But before all that, he was one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. And this movie chronicles his journey. Uh, Gary Cooper plays uh, Lou Gehrig. And Gary Cooper is one of the all-time greats. He's starred in a couple of my favorite movies ever, including Star- including Sergeant York, which was directed by Howard Hawks and is an absolutely incredible movie. One of the best movies about World War I ever, in my opinion. Uh, Teresa Wright is in there as, uh, as Eleanor Gehrig, Lou's wife, and Teresa Wright would be in Best Years of Our Lives and Shadow of a Doubt, so she would have a long career. Uh, Walter Brennan is in there, one of John Wayne's best friends. Whenever John Wayne was in a movie, Walter Brennan really wasn't that hard to find. Uh, And he's awesome in this too. The one knock I have against this movie is that they cast Babe Ruth as himself and God bless him, he cannot act to save his life. Thank God he hit 713 home runs because he can't act his way out of a paper bag. But yeah, this movie is just, it's subtly one of the best biographies ever made. Uh, maybe I'm slightly biased because I was raised a Yankees fan, but Lou Gehrig was just an incredible baseball player. He played through everything. He was sick, injured. He had the nickname of the Iron Horse because he was, he was always playing and it literally took a disease for him to finally retire. And if you want a good cry, ladies and gentlemen, watch the scene where he gives his retirement speech and he says one of the greatest lines in movie history, today I feel that I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth. You will be like, who's cutting onions in here? Like seriously, who's cutting the onions? It's it's epic. Uh, The Pride of the Yankees is one of those movies that nobody talks about, especially in regards to baseball movies and more people should. I don't know, maybe it's because Nobody really likes the Yankees outside of New York and me, but it's 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 an excellent movie.
0: I actually haven't seen this one either. Of course, I know about that iconic moment and the iconic scene, and Gary Cooper's you know, memorable in it. But I actually haven't seen it, so it's another one for my blind spot list that I need to get on it and see, because uh, I love a good baseball movie. Who who wouldn't? So it sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Well, very good. We did it. We have our 10 picks. Let us know what you've been watching on Canopy. If you see anything good, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. That would be really fun. And uh, Ryan, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, just simply RyanCam. Uh, I want to thank all of you who watched my video for the movie nerds club that Rachel is also a part of on the top five dreamworks animated movies. There was surprisingly a lot of overrun with me and Larry and me and you mm-hmm. Rachel. So that that's always a lot of fun to do. And that's going to be happening again next month. But in terms of this week, Mandalorian reviews are still going to be continuing uh, that next episode drops on Friday. So expect a review of that episode Friday afternoon, and then the AFI project is still going. Uh, the episodes for for Intolerance is in it. The episode for Intolerance is currently in the in the editing bay, as well as Lord of the Rings. And I'm currently trying to get through the Deer Hunter. I mean, I'm not saying that is like it's a bad movie, but it's mm-hmm. a long movie, so I'm yeah. just. I'm just trying to get through it so lots of content coming you guys's way if you guys haven't subscribed yet i humbly ask that you please do i put a lot of time into the channel and i'm very proud of it so uh, if you haven't uh if you haven't given me a chance go over there and uh give me a once over
0: yes everybody subscribe it's really good stuff so, yeah, and you can find me here at Rachel's Reviews, all of over social media and on iTunes. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We appreciate it so much. We had an amazing review that somehow I I had missed, uh, but that I saw this week and it was just made our day it was so great so thank you so much for those reviews if you can if you are watching on youtube please like this video subscribe to the channel appreciate that so much and make sure you're following me over at the Hallmarkies podcast we have interviews and recaps and coverage of every single christmas movie coming out this year which is a lot so it's very <laughs> fun <laughs> So check that out. And then also uh, check out our patron group. We have another watch along coming up tomorrow with the director and producer of... Uh, of two turtle doves which was the fan favorite last year we have leslie Desmirandis and uh kevin dude there that are going to be watching the movie along with us so that's happening tomorrow uh when this airs uh so you should sign up it's only two dollars a month and you get to do these amazing things and hear about how movies are made really fun uh, so check that out also have our merch store which has tons of festive designs so take a look at that and thanks again ryan this is always so much fun we'll see you all next week bye everyone